So in this episode, you will hear a, a different kind of quality to the mics because we do have our guest, Sarah, calling in from Australia. So she's got, you know, that kind of phone call audio quality to it, which I think is kind of cool when, you know, they're calling from far away. We did get to actually look at each other. We were Zooming, but it was a, it was a fun time. She has a lot that she knows and is very passionate about. So yeah, come on in and listen to us talk about Shakespeare with different advice and thoughts and opinions, but also just knowledge and experience with Shakespeare and how that can also help contemporary actors and audiences as well. So I hope you enjoy. Welcome to Shakespeare in the Village. My name is Risha. I'm here with my brother. That's me. I'm Michael. And we have a special guest today. Do you want to introduce yourself, Sarah? Yeah. Hi, I'm Sarah Geo, and I'm an acting coach specializing in Shakespeare. That's amazing. I love it. So you have some, you, so I found you on Instagram pretty much is where I found you. Mm. And uh, you have a lot of really good posts that you do talking about like how you don't be afraid of Shakespeare. You know, it's a really good tool. And um, you also do the, the TikToks where you point to words as they come up mm-hmm. too. And for some reason, I, I can't do that. So it impresses me anytime somebody does it. <laughs> so. That's so good because my sister was telling me that she thinks like pointing to things on a screen is like the lowest form of social <laughs> Well, like, I'm impressed. People have completely run out of ideas. Oh, yay! Okay, someone <laughs> likes it. <That's> good. <laughs> yes. Um, so, you mentioned talking about using tools from Shakespeare and helping even just modern actors and modern plays, too. So, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I should mention as well, like, I, I started out um, on YouTube. So, oh. technically, I'm a YouTuber. Um, so, I have a massive YouTube channel um, I started out kind of accidentally, and I'll tell you the story, and then I'll jump into what we're, we're talking about, like yeah. Shakespeare's modern actors, but just so people kind of know a little bit about kind of me and what I do. Um, that's how I started out was a couple of years back. Um, Pre-COVID, I made some videos just talking about how to handle Shakespeare monologues, like a couple of different ones that I loved. I just made a couple of videos about like, this is what, this is, this is what the lines mean, you know, this is the, the background. And, um, you know, here's some of the things that you might want to think about. And I put it on YouTube and I forgot about it for like oh. six months. Actually, I don't really remember why I made these videos. I think I was just making stuff for fun. And I came back and it had all these views and people going, oh, this is really helpful. And I'm like, oh, okay, great, I'll do some more. And then I just kind of kept going. And then when COVID hit, I was like, oh, okay, well, I've got a little bit of time in the house. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do a few more of them. And it just kind of grew from there. And so the people that, um, a lot of people find me through YouTube first because that's, um, I've probably been there longer even than Instagram. Um, And I have quite a lot of long form content. So if you've got listeners that are new to Shakespeare and trying to, um, even I've got technical videos about getting your head around the technique and that kind of thing. So I have a playlist called um, Get Better at Shakespeare. And then I also have um, monologue breakdown videos, which I'm adding to all the time. So that's kind of my background, and that's where I began. And through that, people found me, and I started coaching because people reached out to me and be like, can you please help me prepare for an audition? So I did a lot of um, helping people prepare. A lot of the time for drama school because there are a lot of actors coming to Shakespeare really fresh that didn't know anything about Shakespeare, and they just liked that I kind of 
was so chill about about <laughs> it. And if you watch me on like, pretty much any platform, like you can tell I kind of don't. It's not that I don't take it seriously. It's just that we don't have to be afraid, and we don't have mm. to take it so seriously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just. Have fun. And I think for me, the whole idea of Shakespeare is that it should be joyful. It really brings people. And when people get used to it, um, I think it becomes very addictive. And you guys might be able to speak mm. to that. Like once you perform Shakespeare a bit and you get the feel of it, you suddenly go like, this really, this is so fun. It really opens up a lot of things. It's a very physical experience. And I think that's what people, most people don't understand that with Shakespeare, they look at it and they go, it's very cerebral. It's all about mm-hmm. the text and getting it right. And it's very formal. That's not the case at all. To me, it's very, it's extremely physical practice. And the way, the way Shakespeare wrote, he was so good at putting words on a page that would allow you to connect. If mm-hmm. you can let it fly, like if you can let go a little and commit to the sounds that you're making, even just the structure, the rhythm, the sounds that he chose, they were designed to be just picked off the page and if you let go, it will flow through you. Like, I had a student that was like, it's like a portal. It's a portal mm-hmm. for another universe. Yeah. <laughs> like, experience. It's a magical experience. And like, that's how it feels when you've done Shakespeare for a bit. And I believe that that can happen for anybody and it doesn't have to be a case of, um, you know, you, obviously there are techniques that will help you get there. And there's some contextual things that make it easier so you're not kind of spiking, like, what what do these words mean? Um, so, so a lot of what I do on Instagram as well is just talking about, like, we don't have to be so afraid. We don't mm-hmm. have to be held back by these ideas. So, um, But maybe we can talk about that a bit in, in a bit as well. But, um, but I wanted to talk about, like, why it's, it's relevant for modern actors um, because I think that's really something that's really important and something that sometimes people don't make the connection with. Um, and so for me, as someone that kind of, like my background, I actually trained in contemporary performance when I went to university. It was like uh, physical theatre and performance art. Like I did like contemporary, contemporary. <laughs> and um, and I recently went and did a professional development um, with Transit Assembly, which is a UK-based, um, um, they actually I came here and I did um, a couple of days of physical theatre and I was chatting to someone about it and I was like, I actually feel the same way about physical theatre as I do about Shakespeare. To me, they are very similar experiences. Um, but that's become my kind of unique take on it is seeing through a lens of bringing it into my own practice in lots of different ways and some of those ways are very very practical and it even applies for screen acting mm. and the concept here is that um shakespeare is heightened it the reason it's useful is because it's heightened and i'll just kind of explain what that means in case any of the listeners haven't really heard that term before so heightened there's different kind of types of heightened but heightened basically means that it's anything outside of naturalism, or it's a little bit outside of the, nat- the everyday, but it's not gone so far that you put it in another bucket like Buddhism. So <laughs> if you're really, really fresh to acting, you know, that's how I define it. It's like it's not, it's not everyday. It's not supposed to be sounding like you're having a coffee with someone, <laughs> but it hasn't gone into the realms of something else entirely. <laughs> and that's heightened. And for Shakespeare, you've got heightened text which is that it contains, um, you know, 
it contains poetry, it contains the figurative language and the rhetoric, and it's also a heightened style. It's physically heightened as well, which is another kind of element of being heightened in that we're energised. Um, <laughs> one of my tutors um, at uni used to say extra daily, which he meant like above the daily life uh-huh. level. He did a lot of wrecked and that kind of thing, and he was oh. German, so extra daily, uh, extra daily energy, you know. So, And I love that idea that, that with Shakespeare, again, we're bringing more energy to the table than we might do in kind of everyday kind of ch- chatting um, and in naturalism. And then you've also got the heightened circumstances. You've got high stakes stuff where people are dying and, you know, being baked in pies and things like that, right? <laughs> oh, dear. But all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's horrible. It's really horrible. <laughs> but all this stuff, it, it turns up. It actually turns up more than ever, I think, in contemporary material. And this is something I think people don't realise, is that um, if you think back, like, 20 years, like, I always think of the movie Practical Shakespeare. I don't think Practical Shakespeare, that's my thing. Um, Practical Magic. Do you know the, pra- the movie Practical Magic? It was Nicole Kidman and Sandra Bullock, and they were sister witches. And I remember I saw it as a young person and thought it was like, oh, this is delightful, and it was the 90s, and it was all... Um, the movie didn't do that well because it was the era of, like, occult means, like, the craft, right? And, we, you know, anything about the witches is kind of like, you know, it's the craft and all that sort of stuff. But the movie, like, the reviews were kind of like, oh, it doesn't know what it wants to be. It's kind of funny and it kind of feels like a family drama and it's kind of a thriller and it's kind of a, an occult thing. It doesn't know where, what it wants to be. But that was 25 years ago and now most writing doesn't fit genres like it used to. Like, if you think, you know, people like maybe our age that know what it was like in the past when you were watching a movie, it was like, it was a genre, you know, you were like, it did. Whereas now, especially I think post, like, Marvel with the kind of, like, the humour and the action movies, everything's a little more blended. So a lot of the stuff that we're watching actually contains heightened materials, heightened Mm -hmm. stuff in it. So either heightened heightened style, heightened circumstances, that is popping up all the time Mm -hmm. across the board. So, um, like, for context, like, obviously, Succession finale finale last night, Mm -hmm. uh, when we were recording, uh, or for me, that was last night, uh, so yesterday, um, Succession being that kind of heightened circumstances, Mm -hmm. and sometimes even heightened language as well. Um, I was giving the, the reference to Kendall's eulogy, where he had this kind of interesting metaphors popping up, and that just came kind of out of nowhere. And other times, it's very naturalistic. And there are heaps of shows like this, where actually anything that falls into fantasy, like mm-hmm. Shadow and Bone, that is heightened text a lot of time. Um, sci-fi, because there's technical elements. A lot of that stuff is heightened as well. It's a heightened text. It's a heightened style. Comedy... Even, like, we look at stuff like Ted Lasso, he's heightened, he's heightened in style because it's, it's energized, right? It's not mm-hmm. supposed to be, like, them being super chill. Sometimes they have very naturalistic moments, but often it has a heightened feel to it. So this is what I see over and over again with Shakespeare. The stuff that I've learned with Shakespeare, I apply to contemporary work, like when I'm acting or when I'm directing or when I'm working with students. There are so many techniques where you just go, oh, this is a thing that I learned from Shakespeare. It applies here because I, and I'm teaching this at the moment too, a bunch of students um, were going through a course called Practical Shakespeare. And 
this is kind of my method. It's like this, this is what I do is making that connection because there is a connection that you can look at Shakespeare, you can learn these techniques of, well, how do I make something so challenging, so boring, unfamiliar to me? How can I make that feel truthful? Because that is our job still. I think that's probably a big misconception is that people are thinking that you're supposed to go on and parade around and wave your hands <laughs> around and be a caricature. You know, people think that it's supposed to be big and over the top. It is energized, but we will be truthful to whatever extent, depending on, you know, which company you're working with, which venue and all that kind of thing. But we do have to work towards truthfulness and learning that skill of becoming truthful with all these things kind of in the way, things that feel foreign, things that feel big, you know, or uncomfortable or weird. When we learn how to do that, we become so much more versatile and it is applicable over and over again. So that's that's kind of my philosophy. Yeah. That's my big, there you go, that's my big deal on it. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Uh, you know, talking about the the action behind Shakespeare and how you know it's it is meant to be acted. You know, you can relate it to like closet dramas on the other side of things. You know, that you're, they're meant to be read. Shakespeare is not. And uh, you know, I'm thinking about times that you know I've been part of like a Shakespeare reading group uh, where we get together in someone's living room and we divvy out the parts and we read the Shakespeare. And it's always different from performance, uh, but you can always tell who has acted. <laughs> before when they when they read the Shakespeare because they put the action into it even if they're just sitting on a couch and that's uh, th- that that's absolutely true that and and we're finding that as we're rehearsing uh, much ado about nothing too just all of the um, mm. action that's loaded into the text and that's uh, I, I think um, yeah. a, a really key point to that that you, you find what what the text is motivating you to do. Uh, in that and what the characters emotions are yeah. motivating you to do and that you know that's exactly that exact heightened uh, reality that you're talking about that's that's there across uh, contemporary uh, theater and performance as well yeah and it, I think on that what it teaches me I think that idea of um, you know what does the text motivate you to do is it's taught me to be a more connected actor and this mm-hmm. is a massive thing that I'm seeing as problems coming up especially in the last few years like post-covid where we're doing a lot of self-tapes, we're doing a lot of Zoom acting, mm-hmm. Zoom classes, Zoom, you know, auditions. Um, and this is something that I've noticed other coaches talk about as well, is that a lot of actors are getting very dead in the body because we're really seeing ourselves <laughs> about this much, you know. So, you know, we're seeing this upper house about, like, you know, upper third, not even that part of our bodies. And we're getting disconnected from the rest of ourselves. Now, I love, love, love to watch actors who are connected to their bodies. And I think that's actually essential because being connected to our bodies allows the emotions to flow, right? Mm-hmm. And it's part of our job, you know, part of our job is thinking in character, but part of our job is really in embodiment, right? Experiencing it in our bodies. And if we're disconnected from our bodies, then we're not really going to do a good job no matter how much hard work we put in. And so for me, Shakespeare is a practice of always making sure I am connected to my body and it's a type of material that encourages that mm-hmm. because it is designed to be very, um, uh, very immediate. Mm. That's the thing about Shakespeare. And again, I think coming back to kind of the misconceptions, I think people often go, they think that their characters are kind of just talking. Mm-hmm. They, they're spending a lot of time painting a picture because they like the sound of their own voice or something <laughs> like that. You know, people go, oh, you know, they're doing this imagery because, but, you know, they're just, they're just getting flowery because it's Shakespeare. But actually, 
Shakespeare is so action driven. It's so much about mm-hmm. what are we doing right now? What are, what do I want the other person to do? Which is again another really handy thing to learn is that you have to be so focused on um, how are you trying to change the world as a, as a character. And I, obviously, I work with a lot of people on monologues, and um, monologues are hard, right? Because you're kind of on your own and thinking, I don't know, this is doesn't listen to me. And a lot of people are rehearsing on their own in their own living rooms or bedrooms. <laughs> And it's easy to, again, get disconnected from, like, what is actually driving this text? But Shakespeare's texts are always driven, always action-driven, and we just have to kind of understand that and understand how that works in Shakespeare, that metaphor is not for fun. Metaphor is not for beauty as such. Metaphor is for driving Mm -hmm. the character, to to drive towards getting what they want. It's a different kind of tactic. Metaphor is a different kind of Mm -hmm. tactic. And um, like I described with metaphor, the idea of you had to be there because <laughs> when a character is going into like metaphor, it's not because they're just like, ah, I just love painting pictures. It's because they're like, if you've ever experienced, like you've had a really, really cool experience one day, like maybe you ate like an amazing meal or you went to an amazing concert or, you know, you had like, a weird experience on the street and you want to tell a friend about it and you realize it's just impossible to actually describe to them. What, what it was and really communicate like how you felt and so you start going oh um you know it was like it was like this happened you know it's like, it's like if you've ever done this it's like that you know and you start making parallels to help them understand because you realize oh they're never really going to get it they're never going to get how i feel about mm-hmm. this and what happens that to me is what's happening with Shakespeare's metaphor is that the character is like i need you to understand mm-hmm. this particular thing that's really important to me and you're not getting it so what I have to do is I have to paint an equivalent. It's like this, you know, and they start going into these equivalents to try and make someone feel and connect to what they're saying. And it's not for fun. It's not for beauty. It's for a purpose. Yeah. And that I think that always helps us getting back to like, what are, what are they trying to get to here? They're trying to make connection. It's an invitation to connect. I love that. Yeah. And it relates to, um, I, I forget what, uh, what professor uh, of mine described uh, theater like this, but uh, in terms of the text, the script, uh, everything that's written down, the character saying those words needs to say in one regard or another. Yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, that's nowhere more true than in Shakespeare, but that's something that then you can, of course, draw into uh, more contemporary that's acting fine. too. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I had a student who was working on some monologues and she was also working, she was doing some Meisner classes at the same time. And she's like, you know, I went and I, I did my I did my um, Shakespeare monologue in my Meisner class, and and the tutor said like just make it all about the person that you're speaking to. Mm. You know, make it all about them. Um, don't think about anything else but them. And and she's like, it, it worked so well. And I was like, yeah, you know, that's exactly what we've been talking about. And that's the sort of thing that I, that's why we've been talking about. Like, it's very common in monologues where people will go, oh, this bit I'm talking to myself. Like, no, you're not. Like. Yep. Stop thinking like let's just put that off the table yeah sometimes you might have a thought that maybe it's recalling something to your mind sure Uh but most of the time we're trying to connect with another person Mm -hmm. and that's really what's going on is connection and that it just resonates over and over again Mm -hmm. in in our own practices like definitely with monologues like a lot of the stuff that I do because when I work with students preparing for drama school a lot of the time we'll work on the safety monologue and then we'll hit their contemporary monologue and I'll be like, okay, now do the same exercise that we did with Shakespeare on your contemporary. Mm-hmm. Let's see what happens. And it works. Mm-hmm. It really works because Shakespeare, 
I sort of say it's like the weightlifting of acting, you know, like mm. it's a challenge, right? You're balancing things, you're figuring out technique, but you become really good at, <laughs> you become good at the technique. It strengthens your technique for other things. Yeah. And maybe it's not applicable 100% of the time, but it's applicable a lot of the time. You know, it's functional. It gets mm-hmm. you, it applies to a lot of the things that you do. So it strengthens your acting life. Yeah. And with that, we will end this episode. Listen for more from Sarah next week and really make sure that you look at our show notes because we got some really cool links in there. Uh, that's Shakespeare with Sarah, Sarah with an H. And look her up on YouTube, on Instagram, and TikTok. You know, just look up Shakespeare with Sarah and she'll probably be there because she's really cool. And we had a good time with her. And again, we do have those show notes in there. We've got a link to that spot where you can uh, use the code village and get a free course on there. Get better at Shakespeare. I'm going to do it. So I'm excited. Thanks, y'all. Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.